But thank you so much for making a way for us through your son, Jesus Christ. And we come to you this morning longing to hear from you, God. We just want to see you more clearly. Thank you that we can approach your throne of grace this morning with confidence. And so we do so. May you speak to us. May you fill us with your Holy Spirit this morning, God. We praise you through Jesus Christ, our Savior. Amen. You may be seated. Good morning. So I'm Roger Hadley. I'm one of your elders here at Harvest, and I have the privilege of uh, speaking to you this morning about the name of God, Shepherd, or in the original language, Roe. And uh, as many of you know, this is, we've had a series of sermons this summer on the names of God, and this is the last one. So it's my honor to be able to give this to you. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. That's verse 1 of the 23rd Psalm. A much loved, much memorized, probably the most memorized psalm. Uh, A wonderful psalm of comfort, of protection, of the Lord's care and feeding. Uh, It's great sermon material, by the way, so thanks, Matt. He's not here now, but, uh, you know, this is a good one. as a matter of fact, just personally, uh, my mom, who died just about a year ago, um, this, was what, this was definitely her favorite passage. And literally on her deathbed, just hours from when she died, um, you know, her words weren't working very good. Her mouth, her, her voice was pretty garbled. Um, but she wanted to recite this. She wanted the family who was there with her to recite this. And she did her best to write, recite along with us. But I do remember clearly the word shepherd. She got that out. Okay, Uh, and so this is the type of psalm that that we have here. And as I have looked at this and asked uh, God's Spirit to kind of lead me as far as how we unpack this uh, with uh, God as my shepherd. Um, Let's see if I can figure out how to work this thing. There we go. All right, verse 1. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. You know, really, that's the theme. And the whole meaning of the psalm, in some ways, is packed into that first verse. And then the rest of the psalm just kind of expands on that. Um, But especially that phrase, I shall not want. Now, as a young child, uh, first time I heard this, of course, I misinterpreted it as something along the lines of, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want him. No. Okay, no, that's not what we're talking about. Uh, we're talking about, I shall not want. In other words, I'm not in a state of wanting. I don't, want any, I don't even want to want anything, right? I shall not want. Um, some translations, lacking nothing. Um, but I think of it as that state of, you know, contentment, peace. You know, there's no should have, would have, could have, no worry, no what ifs, right? Um, in many ways, you know, we've heard this word shalom, which is translated peace often in the Bible, but I, I'm, I'm going to extend this and say really what we're talking about is that state of oh, life as it's meant to be, right? Oh, I shall not want peace, shalom. Well, it's interesting that David, King David, who was a shepherd, by the way, and so, of course, he knew what he was talking about. Um, if we take the first part of this verse, the Lord, the last part, 
which, if, if you'll allow me, shalom. He didn't just say, the Lord gives shalom. No. In the middle, my shepherd. Very important. And like I say, he knew what he was talking about. So that's what really I want to unpack this morning. What does that mean, my shepherd? Because we have that state of shalom because God is my shepherd personally. And more importantly, I am his, his sheep. And as I've studied this, that's really where the crux of the matter is to me, is what does it mean to be sheep, right? To have a shepherd. So, how does the shepherd lead? Well, right away, verse 2, he makes me, makes me, right? Well, that's, that's pretty active. That's a very, I mean, the shepherd has authority. There is a sense that the shepherd can you know, take the sheep and say, now he makes me lie down in green pastures, right? So he's making me do something that's good for me. But the shepherd says, here, sheep, lay down. This is good for you, right? The shepherd has authority. He's active. Also, he guides me. This is more the sense of following the shepherd. Uh, still waters is one of the images, um, uh, especially in paths of righteousness. And by the way, I was going to mention this. I encourage you to have your text open as we go through this because I'm not really going to go through this necessarily verse by verse and do it as if it was a Bible study of Psalm 23. So um, if you can find Psalm 23 in your Bible, please do. It's about in the middle, right, of your Bible because um, I'm going to be kind of jumping around. So he guides me in paths of righteousness, plural, paths. Now, thinking about this, you know, we have different paths in our lives, don't we? Think about relationships, family relationships, spouse, you know, parent-child, uh, work relationships, each having their own set of issues. Those are all paths. Ethical issues, filling out your taxes. I mean, there's a path of righteousness, isn't there? And by the way, it's a path for his name's sake, not ours. So the path, the right path, is not what's right for us. It's what's right for the name of Jesus, to, to forward the kingdom of God. That's how he guides us. That's, that's the paths that he is going to guide us on. And then right after that, that mention of uh, he leads me in paths of righteousness, the next phrase, even though I walk. So obviously we're following him as we walk through the valley of the shadow of death. So you know what? When we follow the shepherd, sometimes he leads us through a dark place, but it's through, right? In other words, beginning, end. He brings us through it. And in his wisdom, sometimes we do need to go through a dark place. So that's another way that he leads us. And he comforts me with correction. We see this, uh, this uh, phrase, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Well, those are instruments of correction for the sheep and keeping him on the path. And uh, the sheep find this comforting, not maybe as we would, what's like, you know, hey, quit whacking me with that thing, you know, but they find it comforting. And of course, when we, anytime we look at rod and staff, we thought, well, what is the rod and what is the staff and what's their purpose? So I have some pictures to help uh, illustrate that. <laughs> How did that get in there? Yeah, that's not the kind of rod I'm talking about. Oh. And that's not the kind of shepherd I'm talking about. Okay, so, sorry. My one moment of comedy, I, I had to do one right. Um, 
That's our own Jim Barkley. <laughs> uh, with a fly fishing rod in his hand, okay, uh, in the Wind River Range, as uh, many of us have been over the years to go fly fishing, uh, and a pretty nice fish for that matter. Um, and by the way, I'm not trying to say Jim's not a good shepherd. It's interesting. <laughs> in the New Testament, actually, this is kind of an aside, which I'm already distracted, so I'm already off the rails, but um, in the New Testament, the word pastor is also translated shepherd. So there is a, there is a sense that your elders are shepherds. We're not, really not talking about that this morning, so okay, let's get back on track, shall we? And by the way, Jim is a good shepherd in that sense. So, okay, here we go. This is an image that I pulled off the internet, some artist's depiction of rod and staff. Um, the rod being more like a club, really, a stouter instrument, maybe having a, a knob on the end. Uh, this is when a firm hand is necessary. Maybe the shepherd needs it to kind of block the sheep or get them back, it, back in line. Um, and it's also kind of a symbol of authority over the sheep in that sense. The staff, however, longer, uh, the shepherd might use that to walk along with, but it's uh, lighter. But it, this is more for kind of tapping the sheep. Hey, get back on the path, right? That's not the way. You're, you're getting, off, you're getting uh, off the path. And, um, you know, a lot of times we know in the nativity scenes, we're used to seeing shepherds' staffs with the crook on them, which, of course, could be used to pull the sheep back, maybe even rescue the sheep when they're down in the gully, that type of thing. Um, but anyway, these are instruments of correction, and I think it is interesting that the sheep find it comforting that the shepherd is correcting them. So think about in your own uh, sense of being a sheep with a shepherd. Okay, the shepherd leads, the shepherd feeds, right? Um, let me follow my own notes. I'm behind. Okay, there we go. The shepherd feeds. It's soul food, isn't it? He restores my soul. We have these images of the shepherd bringing us, making us lie down in the green pasture, the good food, leading us beside the still water, and it restores our soul. So that soul, that is that place, our deepest need, that place that you know God created when he created us and lives on eternally. It's the most who we are. And... It's that idea of restoration. He's repairing, rebuilding, replenishing us at our deepest need. You know, nowadays we hear a lot of uh, uh, people talk about identity. You know, I need to find my identity. And I think this is their attempt to talk about soul, truthfully. They don't maybe want to use that word. Um, but I think it's significant that when our soul, if you will, feels parched, feels... You know, maybe it's getting a little rubbed off. Sometimes when we're working with other people, they kind of take little bits of our soul. And we need to have it replenished. We don't do it ourselves. It is the shepherd that restores our soul, okay? And it's needful and nourishing. The shepherd knows better than the sheep what they need to eat. And the sheep do the best, on the shepherd's food. They may try to eat something else, but that's, that is really the food for them. And uh, available even in weakness, what I'm meaning by this is that sheep have many things that make, them, make it hard for them to find their own food. One of them being, they're afraid of moving water. That's why he leaves me beside still water is important. Um, they have a hard time finding the water, yet 
you know, they need the shepherd, right, to, to find the right kind of water for them. And even in a perilous place, we have this uh, in verse 5, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. In other words, even in that place where it doesn't seem safe and it doesn't seem like I should be doing something vulnerable like eating, yet even there, the shepherd feeds us. And I have a couple stories here this morning to relate to this, this uh, idea of shepherd uh, feeds and then another one later about protection. Um, so my son Tyler, when he was 12 years old, which was a long time ago now, we went on a backpack trip. And this particular trip was uh, my dad and my brother, myself, and my son Tyler. So it was kind of a three-generation thing. We went to Marion Lake, which many of you know. Yeah, there's the, there's the four amigos. Um, actually, we were a little ahead of our time as I looked at this picture. My brother Mark is holding the camera out. We had never heard the word selfie back then. <laughs> hey, we were ahead of our time, right? Okay, so there's Tyler. He's not, you know, he's 12 years old. He's just a kid. And um, on this trip for him, it was the first time that he really pushed against his physical limitations and actually discovered he could go a little farther than he thought he could. One of those times was on the second day after we were camped, we decided, hey, let's take a, a day trip up around Eight Lakes Basin. Maybe some of you know it. It's in the next basin up of lakes, and, you know, it's a pretty good climb to get up there. Well, I didn't really look at the map very closely, and I kind of underestimated, really, what that hike would be. Found out it's actually 11 miles, which is quite a bit. And we left kind of mid-morning, kind of late in the day. We had a great time on the way up, stopping to pick huckleberries, and we were just kind of sauntering along. And then we realized as the afternoon wore on, it's like, whoa, we're not even halfway yet. We're going to have to... We're going to have to step it up here if we want to get back before dark. And we didn't really take enough water. So, of course, Tyler guzzled his water right away. And uh, he was getting real thirsty, and we were sharing water with him. And those last couple miles, as it was getting dark, and we were all just... <sighs> Tyler was really suffering. Because by the time we were all out of water, he was thirsty. And he had to keep going and going. And he was kind of... Let me know, and I felt, oh, I'm a terrible father. I've brought my son into this, you know, bad situation. But I knew that on that side of the lake, as we were coming back, as we dropped down into the basin, um, there's lots of springs on that side of the lake. Actually, there's some real gushers over there. So I knew that any time we were going to be coming along a spring. And so we were walking along. The others were way ahead because Tyler was lagging behind so much. And I said, wait, Tyler, wait, do you hear that? And there was the slightest little sound of a trickle of water. And I looked over the bank, and here, just not too far down, there's a place where the grass is a little bit greener and a little bit more lush. I said, Tyler, I think there's a spring down there. So we go over the bank, and we you know, push aside the grass, and there is this tiny little trickle of spring water. But that is real spring. That's pure, clear water coming right out of the ground. I managed to get my water bottle under there, got about half a cup in there, gave it to Tyler. He drank it. Oh. And the change in his countenance, and just, you know... For me to be able to give that to him as a father and for us to experience that together, that was pretty special. <sighs> he restores my soul, okay? I mean, as far as the experiences I've had in the physical world, that's, that's, some, that's the, what I think of when I think of that meeting of my, my deepest, deepest need. Okay, the shepherd protects. Here again, uh, we have that illustration of even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, and so 
He protects us through the dark, is what I mentioned. You know, it's not someplace we stay, but we do need to go through that. But it's also, he doesn't protect us from the dark. In other words, he does, his protection is not such that we don't have to go through the dark places. He doesn't shield us necessarily from the dark places, but he protects us and gives us that protection through the dark. I mean, if this psalm didn't have this section about, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you know, it would be more like, oh, the Lord's my shepherd, it's all sunshine and butterflies, it's wonderful. It wouldn't be that, it, you know, it wouldn't be what it is today to so many people, because that's important that that is in this psalm and that that is part of God's leadership. Um, also, just by his presence, he establishes authority. I will fear no evil, you are with me. So, you know, he is in charge and he has authority over whatever might be lurking in the dark, whatever kinds of things might be besetting us. The enemies are powerless. Um, here again, uh, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Even in that vulnerable position, the enemies are, can't do anything. And his rod, there again, you know, that's a club, so when it comes to the enemies, the wolves, or whatever it is, the bears, the lions, that might be after the sheep, whack, he can, the, the shepherd can't administer authority with that. And um, some of my reading, I actually, some commentators suggest that, um, you know, early on, shepherds obviously were leaders of sheep. The most wealthy shepherds, the ones with the most sheep, eventually became leaders of men because they were kind of looked up to. And the shepherd's rod became what we think of now as the king's scepter, right, with the, the kind of stick thing with the knob on it, um, king's scepter, which he uses to administer authority. So there's, there's lots of symbolism there. Um, I have another story about protection, and I'm going to use some rather guarded words here, and I think you'll understand why I have to be careful how I explain this. But so, as many of you know, a member of my family, immediate family, very close to, um, is now following the shepherd, if you will, doing the shepherd's work in a Central Asian country, it's a dominant uh, Islam religion country, that is by pretty much anybody's account not a safe place to be, especially not a safe place to be doing the shepherd's work. And um, at around age, I don't know, 18, 19, I think, is when Debbie and I first heard that this family member was feeling the calling to go to this dangerous place. And uh, for my wife and I, Debbie, that did not put us in a peaceful place, right? Uh, we were worried. And of course, our first response was, are you sure? It's dangerous. It's not safe. And one of the conversations, what came back was, but the safest place I can be is in the center of God's will. Oh, as a parent, you know, the young teach the old, right? Um, it's true, though, isn't it? It's true. That's the safest place you can be, even though this, the place might not seem safe. Yet, in, in God's will, you do have protection. And by the way, keep praying. If you know what's been going on um, in my family member situation, um, recently, there has been some threats to her safety, so, so please uh, continue to pray. So before we go on and look at the sheep, let's think for a minute about the shepherd in its original context. In other words, when David first wrote it, 
um, and the first readers or hearers heard it, um, how did they perceive it? And um, I use the word ignoble, kind of, it's not a kind of a weird word, but I use it on purpose because, as opposed to the other names of God, which are many of them awesome, high, mighty, kingly, noble, shepherd not so much so, especially in the context of that time, um, people knew that being a shepherd was a life full of hardship. It wasn't considered necessarily a high skill position. It was actually kind of a lower status position. Um, one example I read is that if a father has many sons, the uh, youngest son, when he's just barely old enough to start taking on responsibility, gets to be, okay, you go watch the sheep, because that was considered the easiest kind of lowest status position. When that eldest son then became older, ready to take on more responsibility, the next eldest son became, okay, you watch the sheep, it's your turn now. Until finally, the youngest son, sometimes that was their lifelong application because the more important jobs were being taken care of by the older brothers. David, by the way, was a youngest son. Okay, which is probably why he was a shepherd for the time that he was. Later became king, right? But he started out as a shepherd. So it's definitely in the, in the ears of those first hearers, the shepherd was considered a humble and even sacrificial leader, not high status. In that way, it's great because it foreshadows Jesus. Because as we know, when Jesus came, he didn't come as a king. He came humbly and sacrificially. But it does mean, if you think about the shepherd being humble and kind of a lowly position, if you will, then those under the shepherd's authority are even more humble. So we should think about what it means to be a sheep. Harvest congregation, that's you, that's me. Bah. Uh, uh, because, you know, as I looked at uh, sheep, and now I haven't been a, a farmer or whatever, I haven't personally had much experience with domestic sheep. I'm talking about domestic sheep here. Um, and so you can tell me if I'm off base. But from what I gathered, when you look at other domestic animals and you compare sheep, like goats, um, horses, you know, pigs, cattle, even cats and dogs, you know, sheep don't have a lot going on compared to some of those others. I mean, for instance, you know, those other animals, if they get, if you turn them loose on the range and they, kind of, they can kind of take care of themselves, more or less, sheep, you let them loose on the range without care, they get eaten, you know? I mean, when the, when the wolves and the bears and the lions see sheep, they're thinking, mmm, you know, food. It's, it's time, because the sheep have no natural defenses, really. They don't have the teeth and the claws, they can't run fast, they get afraid of everything. Um, they don't do too well. That's us, okay? Uh, and, and I think there is an application, okay? So sheep, uh, they can't digest poor feed. They need good grass, right? They not, they're not like a goat, okay, that can eat about anything. Yet, they can't really find the grass for themselves. They don't have the wherewithal to figure that out. They can't really drink stagnant or impure water, but they're afraid of the moving water. Right? And if you've ever been in hilly country, you know, usually it's the moving water that's the good water. And if you find a pool, sometimes it's kind of swampy and stagnant. So they need the shepherd, right? Uh, they can't defend themselves. I talked about that. Yet, you know, they stray really easily, sometimes unknowingly, and put themselves in a position of danger because they get separated from the shepherd and his protection. They have no sense of direction. 
They can't find their own way. When they, get, when they stray, they just wander around and get more and more lost. They need somebody to come find them. However, there is one important talent, if you will, capability, something that the sheep do actually quite well. That is, they can recognize, discern, if you will, the shepherd's voice. And once they learn to trust the shepherd, they follow and they can be faithful, even affectionate followers. Um, I, I read about one situation where someone who didn't know much about sheep observed multiple shepherds with their flocks, you know, into separate flocks owned by separate people, coming to the same water hole, watering hole at the same time. The sheep got all intermingled, of course, as they went down to uh, drink the water. And it's like, oh no, how, it's going to take hours. How are you going to possibly separate these sheep out in their shepherd flocks? The shepherds weren't concerned. They know their sheep, and the sheep know them. Shepherds just kind of spaced themselves out around, and when it was time, the shepherds called to the sheep. Sheep perked up their ears, and each went to its own shepherd. So not only can sheep hear the shepherd's voice, they can discern. It's actually a, quite a talent when you think about it. So what does that mean? What does that mean for us? Are you a sheep? Or more importantly, when are you a sheep? Um, I think maybe all of us have had that experience of feeling like our soul is parched and dry, and we call out to the shepherd. Um, feel like we're lost. We need some guidance. We're afraid. We need some protection. We call out to the shepherd, and that's wonderful, and God is there for us during those times, and that's why, where many people turn to the 23rd Psalm. But is it that way all the time? Um, what about those times when, you know, I'm on a path that I like and I really don't want to feel that shepherd's staff tapping me and telling me I'm not on the right path. I mean, uh, in our culture, for instance, follow your dream. I mean, we hear these things, be your own person. We hear these things all the time. That, that determination, that ambition, right? Do we want a shepherd during those times? Um, do we depend on the shepherd for our soul food? You know, our culture screams at us, offering us many distractions, many pleasures, possibly things we see with our eyes, ear with our ears, maybe things that go in our mouth, maybe things we do with our bodies, activities that can be entertaining, distracting, but you know what? They can also kind of numb us or cover that need, that deep soul need. That, that we can feel. And are we more prone to turn to that than to the shepherd? And actually just driving to the service this morning, I thought of another little thing I can relate, a little true confession. Um, okay, obviously I love to go fishing by that, by that uh, picture. And at one point, when uh, early in our marriage, when our kids were pretty young, um, I was having a pretty stressful year at work and I was going fishing a lot, and that actually became my solace. And even something that is, you know, really, a, in many ways, a good, healthy thing to do, I went fishing too much. And there was a couple times when I really wasn't there when I needed to be for my family and my kids. And, you know, the shepherd did lead me through that. But looking back, you know, even, even things that are really kind of good things and okay things can substitute for that restoration of our soul that really comes from the shepherd. And even his protection. 
right? Here again, our culture wants us to believe that it's important that we take care of ourselves, we're strong, right? Sometimes it's hard for us to admit that we need the shepherd's protection. And sometimes it's protection from false ideas and things that might seem attractive, but we need his voice to let us know, hey, that's not really where, where, what you should be following. So I think it's a good question, and I'm going to ask the, the question also, is he your shepherd? Also, although I think here our English language breaks down a little bit. Uh, the word thy, which is an old English word, has that same connotation as my. In other words, it's very personally your very own thy shepherd. Not, not a shepherd, not even the shepherd. And, and, and I want to even, I guess, tease out a little bit the idea that, well, I'm a Christian, and so of course he's my shepherd, right? Or even, well, you know, I'm part of this harvest body, and we call God our shepherd, so I guess he's my shepherd too. No, is he thy shepherd deep down personal and I really think it comes down to an issue of trust can you trust this shepherd for those deepest soul needs for that food for that guidance can you trust him because if you don't trust him he can't really be thy shepherd and I'm going to just break for a minute from this illustration of the shepherd um, to use another, maybe you've heard this, uh, it's pretty well known, but it's the idea that, you know, a man stretches a tightrope across Niagara Falls and a crowd gathers. The man says, how many people think I can cross this tightrope with a wheelbarrow and back? Eh, you know, maybe a few people raise their hand. So he proceeds with an empty wheelbarrow, go across the tightrope and back. Now how many people believe I can go across the falls with a wheelbarrow. Well, all the hands go up. How many people are willing to get in the wheelbarrow? Okay. Belief, even knowledge, or faith? Trust is really the key, import, is the, the key thing with that faith because even if you believe that guy, if you don't know him, if you don't trust him, you're not going to get in that wheelbarrow. So it's an issue of trust. You know, I mean, we can, you can hear a sermon like this and learn all about God and, and how he can have wonderful attributes as a shepherd and believe all of it and admit it and say, yes, God can take care of me. He can feed me. But will you allow him to as a sheep? Is he trustworthy? So we're going to turn to John 10 to find out what Jesus said about himself. So this is Jesus talking. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the gatekeeper opens, the sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice." And then down in verse 14, I am the good shepherd. I know my own, and my own know me, just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. Sorry. He is trustworthy. 
He knows you intimately, by name. He knows when you follow him. He knows when you're wayward. Isaiah 53, 6 just nails it. This was written hundreds of years before Jesus, but it's a prophecy about Jesus. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned each one to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He knows when you reject his leadership, and still he lays down his life for you. He takes upon himself the consequences of your waywardness. He dies so you don't have to die. Are you hearing the voice of the shepherd? I believe that could be happening right now. Um, actually, let's have the worship team come up now because I want to have everybody up here. Um, you know, it's the work of the Holy Spirit that gives us that ability to discern the shepherd's voice. Like I said, I, you know, we just heard some things. We, you know, I presented something. That's knowledge. That's maybe even belief. But when the Holy Spirit works in your heart, that is when you hear the shepherd's voice. And he may not be working in everyone's heart right now. I don't think that. But I think that he could be working in some hearts. Um, and that's where you are really hearing the shepherd's voice. And the Holy Spirit gives you the ability to recognize what that is. Now I'm going to pray a, a prayer of trust. And I'd like you to invite you to join me. Um, this is not only for those that maybe have never followed the shepherd, but also even if you followed the shepherd for years, I think you can pray this prayer with me. Um, there's, a, there's a hymn, Jesus, Jesus, how I trust him, how I proved him over and over. Jesus, Jesus, precious Jesus, oh, for grace to trust him more. Okay, so that trust can be always expanding, always getting deeper and deeper. Um, so I'm going to pray and uh, invite you to join me. Lord, Lord Jesus, we know that you are our shepherd, that you can take care of us, and that all that we have, all that we need in life is with you, yet so often we stray. And Lord, just right now, I bring to mind those times when I have strayed, when I know that I haven't followed you. And Lord, I just ask that your Holy Spirit now would, would quicken my perception to feel, to hear your voice, to feel your staff tapping, to reveal to me even now maybe some ways that I'm off the path of righteousness that I don't even know, but that I want you to show me. Lord, I acknowledge and I accept that you have taken care and you have paid the debt for those times when I'm off the path. And that you've laid, laid down your life, that you are laying down your life for me because as I get off the path, you're able to bring me back and I don't have to pay the consequences for that. So wonderful. And Lord, I accept that and I commit now 
to follow you. We pray these things in the name, precious name of Jesus, our shepherd. Amen.